With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joe Rogan, you've heard of him, haven't you? He's the uh, famous podcast person who used to just be this meathead who interviewed people after the UFC fights, but now he's turned full-on conspiracy wacko person but he's got millions of dollars in the account and so what i've realized is that's what we've got to go down on 4020 tv you, you said last week we don't upset people anymore well you know we've got to, we've got to upset the mainstream media uh, and um, all the world religions world governments everything because they've missed out on the biggest conspiracy going which of course if you were with us last week you'll know um luke gale getting banned for things he did and now the whole FC conspiracy continues. The RFL, the RFU, the FA, um, everyone is against them, possibly the ICC, because Sean Wayne is part of this global conspiracy and has not picked Jake Connor and his squad for the England Performance Unit. So um, when I say the mainstream media, the whole Daily Mail has probably picked up on it and got loads of comments on their site, but whether you call that mainstream or not, I don't know. Um, Phil, the, the England squad's out and everyone's upset because Jake Connor's not in it, but I'm sure we mentioned this before and I'm sure we'll mention it again, but hey, the England squad's out. It gives everyone a chance to get upset about the game that's not going to be played for months anyway. And England squad's out. Not England the England squad. squad. It's not the squad that's necessarily going to play in the World Cup. An England squad was announced for an international against France at the end of the year. And one or two people like Jordan Abdul, who broke into that squad, are not in a squad that has been announced today. So um, I, I, you can read into it whatever you wish. I think Jake Connor had an exceptional game this weekend. Uh, what was it? Six try assists and one himself. If he does that virtually every week between now and the mid-season international, he'll be playing in it. Uh, and as we also know, um, he could all even be playing for the Combined Nations, mm. uh, as we had some English players playing in that uh, last time. So who knows if he has a, um, a, 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 well, I'm sure we all do, heritage in another country. Um, he, he'd be eligible for that. So, no, I, I, I think even Jake Connor would be the first to admit that uh, consistency is what's going to get him picked for England. And if if he can be more like he was last week when he almost single-handedly destroyed Salford, then he will play. Uh, where he plays is an interesting question because, again, we've seen in the past that 
players who have utility value, um, you know, perhaps get overlooked for those that have a specialist position. So, um, you know, if he wants to be full back and at the moment, the captain of England, um, Sam Tompkins, plays in that position. Where else would you play Jake Connor? Uh, I, I still think we are possibly short of a, a world-class centre. So, you know, he may, he may be open to play there. But uh, would you pick someone out of position? I think one of the things Sean Wayne said right at the very beginning when he took on the job was he, he'd look to play specialists wherever he could. Um, clearly, he then picked a loose forward at prop when we played France. But... Um, that happens. I, I, to me, I, I think the um, perhaps the most encouraging selection, and we, we could spend the next few minutes arguing about who's in and who's out and who deserves to be in. Literally, we played three games. Um, is probably Lewis Dodd. I, you know, I, I think what what we like to see a you know potential uh, young, uh, new, fresh, inventive blood um, making their way into the the picture, perhaps for selection at the end of the year and. Um, you know, I think he's a great selection. Started the season fantastically. Um, I think we've, we we probably, hopefully, will see Mikey Lewis play again for England Knights. Uh, should should they indeed have any fixtures, which uh, I think they will have, um, and and then we'll be able to take a view on whether you know he's he's someone that could step up on. And you may be there looking at the halfback pairing for the 2025 World Cup, which uh, which in some respects is. Is, is also important. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, if you want to focus on those who aren't in there, that's absolutely fine. I'm sure we could come up with, with plenty of others. Gareth Widdup is another name that's been mentioned today that isn't in the squad. Um, but now let's focus on some of the ones that have been selected. Tom Johnson, he's not there. Uh, this is the squad. And, of course, it is only players playing over here and not including players in the NRL. So there will be some names here that will be nowhere near the squad come the World Cup. Uh, Bateman, Clark, Cooper, Curry, Davis, Dodd, Evolds, Farrell, Hall, Hardick, and Knowles, Leeming, Lees, Lomax, Lynn, McGilvery, McShane, Makinson, Marshall, Newman. I can't do it without taking a breath. Alensky, Pierce, <laughs> Paul, Percival, Ratchford, Sargent, and Tompkins, Wormsley, Wardle, Wellsby, and uh, William. Another one of those names, which is good to see in the squad, is Kai Pierce, Paul, who's certainly impressed in his uh, limited appearances for Wigan in the last couple of years. And obviously, uh, you mentioned players for the future. He looks like one who will be around in the 2025 World Cup, uh, injury and forms notwithstanding. Yeah, and again, I think we look at what might well now be start to, to, to be a genuine pathway. We saw him make his debut for the England Knights at Castleford against Jamaica. Uh, was was literally and metaphorically a standout player because he's about six foot 12. Um, I, I know I tried to interview him afterwards not to uh, go on the step ladder. Um, but yeah, I, I think the amazing thing about him this season and and clearly Wigan have been, if not the surprise packet, I think have metamorphosized the quickest uh, at the start of the season from what they were at the end of last season is, is seeing him slot in so effortlessly at centre. Uh, and we knew that he had a wonderful offloading game. Um, I, I think we also felt that maybe um, Adrian Lamb didn't use that perhaps to best effect last year when they were struggling for, for points, M maybe even um, le left it too late when, when they played in their playoff game that ultimately uh, they were knocked out of. I think it was, there was only 15 minutes left when he threw him on, which, which again was asking a lot. Um, so to see him starting matches and, and, and having even more space to work in in the centres rather than the heavy workload in the second row, um, he, he again has, has shown that he has all the skills. He, he potentially is someone that you could build round for 
for the next World Cup, but I wouldn't rule him out of playing a part in this one because he offers something different. Uh, now, if, if Sean Wayne wants to play in an extremely conservative style, um, he's not the man for him. But um, I, I do think that there'll be times during the World Cup where you're going to have to find a play. Um, and, and he is a guy that can do it. So young names in there, I'm all for. Um, you know, give them a chance. I think the opposite end of that spectrum is is Ryan Hall getting a recall, which um, again on the form of last year, absolutely deserved. You know, the, there is no question that he was one of the best wingers in the competition last year, and um, was one of the main reasons why Hull KR were performing so well last season. Um, and clearly, he will get his opportunities this year. They they haven't quite found their feet yet. They did get their first win last weekend, which which will do them no end of good. Uh, their reward is to play uh, St. Helens, who are clearly the best team by a mile this year, um, as they have been for the last three years. But um, now, great to see Ryan Hall back and making all the right noises about taking nothing for granted. I, I think the other thing about this squad is it, it's clearly a training squad. They're going to meet every month now um, between here and and the mid-season international. So there will be changes. People will, we've seen, you know, there's, there's been a lot of injuries already this season. There, there'll even be people who perhaps might be banned and not able to take up their spot in the squad. And there'll be others who show great form between now and the next training session in a month's time who might be drafted in. So, um, yeah, it, it's a great news story. Uh, later this week, we get to know who the coach of the Combined Nations All-Stars will be. So that'll ratchet up that game uh, a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, great. You know, let, let's let's talk about International Rugby League. Uh, I still think that, you know, we, we, everything we're doing this season, um, which has started really well, the peak is still the World Cup. It will be great to know, uh, you know, who is the, the Super League champion, who gets promoted into Super League, who, who wins at Spurs. But the game hinges so much on what's going to happen in October and November. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's have some more stories out there about international rugby league, and and I, I suppose balancing all of that is the uh, the other story of the afternoon, where the uh, international rugby league and and European rugby league have have come together and and banned Russia from competition at the moment. And again, you know, there, there aren't many sanctions sport can levy, and uh, we we preface all of this podcast with the fact that far more important things are happening in the world at the moment, and. Uh, you know, our, our thoughts and whatever they're worth, uh, um, concerns are with the people of Ukraine and, and, and Rugby League has, has, has done the right thing. It's made a stand on, a, on an international stage and there's not more we can do. Um, so, yeah, International Rugby League for me is something we should always be talking about wherever we can, good or bad. Um, and, and, you know, Sean Wayne's named the squad. Let's talk about it. We have a handful of listeners you'll be surprised to believe in Ukraine because I checked on the map the other day. We do have a handful of listeners there. We also have a handful of listeners in Russia, and we all know that it's not the people, but the people in charge. So we wish them all uh, the best, and hopefully not we don't have to worry about us as well. But uh, to our listeners overseas, we wish you as well as things can be, and hopefully return to something vaguely normal at some point in the near future. I don't know when that will be. But at least Sean Wayne, you know, he's taking the, the heat off, um, you know, other people today. So that's good. So yeah, right, uh, Ryan Brownlee won at the uh, 
the match review panel. He got his uh, grading reduced, so he's not banned for the weekend. So well done to him. Uh, not frivolous. Uh, so he'll be in the squad for Salford, you expect, as they take on Huddersfield on Sunday. Um, I think what was interesting, talking of discipline, was the reaction of Steve McNamara, um, who was talking understand. about that. Yeah, he's talking about that in the press conference after the uh, the Leeds-Catalan game. And just saying that, you know, that there needs to be uh, the chance to appeal um, and, and be given an opportunity to state your case without worrying that, the penalty will be increased, um, which I think is really what um, Gary Hetherington was referring to as um, it wasn't natural justice, um, that you should be able to challenge the grading. And the grading is, is um, you know, g- gives you a, um, a spread of matches that you may be eligible for banning for. So um, if you think you, it's involved in the realms of two to three and you've been given three, you should be given the right to go in and say, we actually think it should be two on the evidence that we can present and not be told, right, well, now it's four because you shouldn't have never bought that evidence. So um, interesting that, you know, he, he's had a couple of players in, in front of the beak, um, but he doesn't want players to, and clubs in particular to, to not have the ability to, to challenge that disciplinary process. And clearly Ryan Briley has done that and, and been successful. So um, yes, he can play this weekend rather than sit out an extra one further down the line. Yeah, he might have been lined up to do Radio Manchester's commentary or something, but now we'll have to play against his uh, former club, which everyone forgets that little spell he had there. Um, while we're talking about uh, players and not the games as of yet, um, someone else from Hull had a few words in terms of Josh Griffin, who's not happy with the way things are going. Um, the players don't have a say. Um, and, I, and I checked, and I thought there was a players um, representative on the laws committee and there isn't. Um, it's like coaches and Dave Woods and people, but no players on there, um, which I, I thought was slightly odd, but I would go back to the point that there is supposed to be a rugby league players union, a players association or whatever it's called. These are the players association. They can go to them with any concerns, but, are they they seem to come and go like something that comes and goes someone can think of an analogy i've had a long day at work but the the players union comes in with a big load of fuss does nothing disappears again and and we're in that goes away and does nothing phase again so i i have great sympathy for josh griffin's opinion but there should be some way they can express that opinion, but I'm not sure they have the right mechanism to do that as of yet, perhaps. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you tweeted uh, that, uh, you know, I thought the players had a union. Well, well, they do. They actually, you know, they have a union, as in, um, what is it, the... Um, uh, it's like the Rugby League Writers and Broadcasters Association, but yes. le- less effective, because at least we get to vote on the uh, <laughs> Landstone Trophy. But, but I think what they need is a union that has a bit more power. And, it, and if players want uh, a voice, then they need to rally around that union and say, look, we need some representatives. We, we need to be knocking on the doors of where Red Hall used to be and saying, look, if you do have these committees, we do have a, a, a group of people that are sufficiently well organised to sit on that committee rather than fire shots from, you know, individual uh, uh, we shouldn't use words like fire shots either. Um, where, where you know, take pots from um, from their individual houses and uh, and not and not have that 
I, I don't know, togetherness. Um, mm -hmm. we, you, you're right. We do seem to go through certain things in the game where the players uh, need to be heard and should be heard. But what's the mechanism by which they, they, they need to do that? They tried to set up their own League 13 and uh, that wasn't sufficiently well supported by the players themselves to carry enough weight and was was disbanded. So the GMB, which was the initials I was trying to think of earlier, um, still represent the players. But, you know, the players, if they want more say, need to implore the GMB to represent them more forcefully in the corridors of power. Um, uh, so there are mechanisms there. And um, I, I think, again, you know, if Josh Griffin wants to be a mouthpiece and there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be, he was very eloquent in what he said, then he needs to go to his, his, his GMB chapel or whatever they have these days and say, right, you know, I, I, I think we need to form a, a representative group and uh, go to the Citadel and, and, and put forward a case for, for our rights. Who is the Arthur Scargill of Rugby League? Let us know in the, uh, in the comments. So like everything's going back to the 80s. Um, I think, is that the news section of the thing done? I don't know. Um, the Challenge Cup draw has been made. Um, I'm, I'm reading it off the email, which oh, it's at the bottom here. Barrow versus Workington. So that's exciting. An old Cumbrian stroke, Lancashire stroke, Cumbria game. Absolutely. Bradford versus Lee. Saw that on telly the other week. That would be rubbish. Whitehaven versus York. That's an interesting one. Batley versus Fev. Equally interesting, but probably go with a Fev win. North Wales Crusaders versus Sheffield Eagles. Because North Wales, and, and this is, no one's going to want to come on the show now. We had Stuart Littler on and invited him on before Oldham lost. We had Alan Kilshire on the other week, Hunslet lost. The Carters were supposed to be on, Salford lost. No one's going to come on the programme anymore. It's a good job when we try and get everyone on the head of the wheelchair season or the women's season. It's equally spread out the bad luck. Um, but that's the draw for the fifth round of the Cup. Then the Super League clubs coming in in the next round. It's, it, it's convoluted and complicated, but it is what it is. And of course, the, the teams who win these games will also be in the run, running for the 1895 Cup. Um, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. That's it. That's in May. Uh, but that's an interesting... It's, it's actually an interesting draw. There are games there where you'd be thinking the broadcasters have a good choice there. You, you'd want to see Barrow and Workington because that's that two teams in the local area. That'd be exciting. I'm not sure what else they'll choose. But, um, yeah, interesting. An interesting draw. Yeah, I, I think what we did learn last night from the last remaining tie, which saw uh, Lee, who were second in the championship, batter Widners, who were third, is that on their day, the top two are way ahead of everybody yeah. else. Um, you know, clearly they've recruited as such. Um, they've got coaches there who have massive amounts of, of Super League experience. They, they know what it takes to um, get teams primed and ready for... Uh, effectively cup final football and the likelihood is that those two teams when they meet each other are playing for the right to host what will be the million pound game mm. um, and again in, in some respects that's a shame uh, because it, it's got that element of potential foregone conclusion about it but in previous seasons we've had one team you know Toronto walk through a division and, and Toulouse in many respects did the same so to have two adds a a greater element of interest. I, I still don't know who we're going to get in the playoff positions. Um, so again, there's going to be interest around that. And and you, you'd look at the table and say, no foregone conclusions yet about mm. who might be battling it out for relegation. So there is still great interest in the championship. But I just thought that the, the manner of the result um, last night between 
um, Lee and Widnes was a bit of an eye-opener uh, because I don't think too many expected it to be that wide a margin and, and uh, that convincing when Widnes have had such a good start to the season. What's going on with the Wasps and um, Derek Beaumont? He was attacked by wasps or something. I saw it on Twitter. I, did, I didn't read it. I didn't I, click the link. I didn't Mentoring think, media. Um, didn't think York were that venomous, were they? No, no. I don't know. Um, hats off, and indeed caps off to the Royal Navy, who scored at Batley. Hammered in the game, as you would expect, because Batley were a very good side, but at least the Navy scored. I think the great thing about that was the rapport between the two teams afterwards, that a lot of compliments flying around about how the Navy had conducted themselves and about how Batley had looked after them. Mm. Um, I think, again, some of the Batley players were tweeting what an honour it was to be playing against guys who were serving their country. So I, I think there's, there's a relationship been, uh, been formed there between the two. And uh, Craig Lingard was, was you know, saying, you know, hopefully they can have a, uh, maybe a, a pre-season friendly or invite the Navy up to do a, an opposed training session. And, and, and all of that is what this sport does best, I think, that, you know, fostering and building those sort of relationships. Learning more about rugby league in the armed forces is something I need to do, but I haven't done it as of yet. So, Batley through. Uh, Whitehaven beat Doncaster 60 0. That's not a good result for Doncaster. Uh, Halifax 16, Featherston 29. Uh, the other headline result, I guess, not in terms of the final score, well, in terms of the final score, in terms of the performance. That's like Club Parkside, 40 points to 20, beaten at the South East Stadium by uh, Sheffield Eagles. But Crowd of 450 there, which is bigger than some <laughs> crowds we'll probably see in League One later in the year, and a more than creditable performance from the amateurs. Two points between them with five minutes to go. Absolutely outstanding display from um, Honslet Parkside. Um, what the Cup's really all about. Uh, I, I think that was their, their I was going to say day in the sun, but clearly it was hammering it down with rain. So, uh, But they, they, were, they were absolutely... Tremendous ambassadors for the best of the community game. Gave, um, gave Sheffield a real fright. Uh, again, Sheffield coming out and acknowledging how difficult it had been. Uh, and a credit to the Cup, really. I, I, I think that not, not everybody likes this format. There are, there are quite a few that want to go back to it. It needs to be an open draw and everybody involved right from the very, very beginning. I think there's some real merit in this, that you get to the point where Clubs like Huntsville Club Park so I can have a couple of really big days out, put themselves back on on the map and in the public consciousness, you know, redolent of the days of a certain G. Schofield who wore their colours uh, when he was coming through. Uh, and I know that he was, you know, proud of the performance that they put on. And um, I think playing it at the South Leeds Stadium was fantastic because it gives those players the chance to stay within their neighbourhood but play on the, the biggest stage within it. Um, and, and I think Sheffield treated the whole occasion with, with respect as well and, and uh, were, were conscious of the fact that they were very nearly victims of a cup shock, uh, which, of course, we know in their uh, long history, they, they've given some out as well. So they know what it's like to be on the other side of that. But now, for me, everybody wins. Um, and that is what the cup's about. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there is something in this format that play through to the fact that... Um, the, the championship or League One, if, if North Wales get through, clubs that are left form the 1895 and then the Super League clubs come in because it's an acknowledgement of the fact that to all intents and purposes, the Challenge Cup final is going to be between two Super League teams. I can't see that changing from now, you know, for all time. 
obviously there's a skill difference between Super League and the amateur clubs who'd come in in the first round if there was an open draw. But it's not just that, it's the, the fact that <laughs> the full-time professionals train physically day in, day out. And do we really want to see amateurs who don't have that advantage of physical training up against well-drilled professional teams. I don't, I don't think we do in terms of player welfare. No, it's, it's nice on paper and in theory and going back to the past, but in the past, the players didn't train in the way they do these days. So, and I think seeing nice. the Army, Army play the Navy in an earlier round, you know, fantastic. Never happened yeah. before. Uh, you know, seeing Irish and Scottish and Welsh clubs come in at, at the first round, that, that's what you want, you know, and, and the FA Cup has done that particularly well for... You know, as long as I can remember, that the the you know the first division teams always came in at the third round stage to enable the competition to start, and everybody gets something out of it to the point where you then hope there might be a, a, a big draw later in the competition. So if North Wales did perhaps beat Sheffield, um, and that is a close one to call, mm. then you know maybe they might get Warrington, um, you know, at home in the. In, in the sixth round, which which for them would be the big payday. So uh, there is still some magic left in the cup. Uh, Bradford beat London 34-8. North Wales, as we know, beat Hunslet 38. Uh, Barrow winning away at Rochdale 38-12. Worked 26, Dewsbury 12. And York 42, Newcastle 13. Newcastle started well in that one, but uh, faded off. Good result for York because obviously they haven't had the best of starts to the season in the championship. I say that they've won two, lost two. That's probably about where you'd have put York at the start of the season. That's my own silly well, when you, thoughts. When you, think they, when you think they played Featherstone and Lee, <laughs> yeah. and we've yeah. just said that those two teams are way ahead of everybody else, they're exactly where you'd think they'd be. People think I'm anti-York now. I'm not. I just did a joke once about the women's team signing everyone from Castleford, and now everyone thinks I hate York. I don't. We all know who I hate anyway. Um, Super League. You're um, playing them on Thursday. Oh, I can't wait. Because Chris Kendall's in charge, so it's nailed on. I'm going to get some T-shirts printed up. Blame Kendall or blame the refs <laughs> or something. Sell them outside Headingley next time I'm there. Get a, get a towel on the floor, get the T-shirts out, get moved on by Ronnie the Rhino. It's all good. Um, Leeds versus Catalans, which was a game of attrition on Thursday night. Uh, Ten points to four. Blake Austin scored, so that's good. Um, and Catalans won. I think most people have tipped Catalans possibly to win in that one. I think I might have tipped Leeds. Uh, I don't know why, but um, only losing by six at home with the players missing for Leeds. It's not the terrible result, but Leeds are in crisis. Everyone keeps telling me on, on Twitter. So if there's anything this programme started in the last eight years, eight years since it started, coming up to the birthday now, um, then that is the only thing we have done. Not not the focus on the women's game, not the wheelchair game, no, none of that. Leeds in crisis and a few T-shirts. Uh, but Leeds are in crisis, and I, and I heard this week on the news that Leeds, until Marcelo Bielsa had come into Leeds United, had lost its soul, which I thought, ah, there's plenty of souls in Leeds, but no, no, not at all. Uh, but it, and now you've lost your soul. I don't know what, what Leeds, all in crisis, all, all the city, the cricket, well, we don't talk about that. Rugby league, rugby, does rugby union still exist in Leeds? I don't know. Did the, have the netball won? Did they lose at the weekend? I don't know. There's, they there's lost all. at the weekend. I think the ice hockey are doing the, all right, but but the netball are playing at the arena on Sunday. Oh, that's I mean I'm not working, so I could go. I can't I can't bring myself to oh, anyway. Anyway, um, Leeds they are crisis playing for... wasp. They are playing wasp. Oh, the, oh well. netball team. Oh, well. So <laughs> you do have a reason to support them. Um, Leeds yeah, in I, crisis, I think... really. It's back again. 
Yeah, of course it is, because yeah, they played three of the top teams and, and lost to them. I, I think to say that Leeds had quite a few out is um, is obviously undermining <laughs> the fact that Catalan did as well. Yes. Um, and that their best player, in I think, in general opinion, uh, was Mike McMeekin, who put his hand up to, to play at prop and was absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I, I think the, what scuppered Leeds um, on, on Thursday night was... They couldn't take the chances that they created and they, they did make enough to win that game. Um, but also the, there is this habit now of losing players early in a game. And, and even though the players that they are losing are important to them, it just completely disrupts your, your bench rotation. Um, so again, you know, fortunately, Alex Meller, not seriously injured, um, carried off after a 10-minute a wait. And again, hats off to all the medical staff for making sure that players are, are properly looked after uh, at the moment that has that has all changed a little bit and uh, if we were to relate that back to um, the incidents we spoke about last week that is why you can't pick players up when they're injured you don't know you know Alex Meller looked stunned when he came out of that tackle but he was sitting up it was only when the medical team went on and realized uh, the extent of what he was saying um, he was suffering from that they laid him down um, and, and obviously, you know, another player could have come and picked him up and it could have had serious implications. And, that, and that's why, uh, without dwelling too much on stuff we spoke about last week, it can't be part of the game to touch an opponent who you believe, who, who you know, who was injured. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think um, conditions were awful on Thursday night. So credit to both teams for plugging away for 80 minutes in horrendous uh, rain, wind uh, and cold. It was never going to be pretty. Um, Richard Agar spoke afterwards that he felt that Leeds had lost their DNA on attack, that they uh, that they weren't taking sufficient options to to get points on the board, that they were hitting the lead runner too much rather than going behind him. I, th- I think again we saw a, a great halfback performance from Aidan Caesar in the first game, and that that hasn't yet been replicated in the two uh, subsequent ones. Um, and I think quite rightly a lot was made of. Uh, the Caesar and Austin partnership they played together before that it would instantly click and over the last two weeks it it hasn't um, so yeah we'll 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 that re- judgment is reserved on that for the Dragons I thought um, again they, they they just showed that there's something about them now that w- when you do win a league leader shield when you do get to a major final um, it gives you a kind of mentality that you can build on if you've got the right people there and. And that's exactly what they did on on Thursday. They knew it wasn't going to be uh, uh, easy. They knew it wasn't going to be pretty. They 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 so often go up the middle, and they they couldn't because they had so many players missing. So instead, you know, Ben Garcia, their captain, made over fifty tackles, and that's what event you know eventually won them the game. So uh, now they were great. I think Joe Chan coming off the bench was massive for them as well because uh, gave them a huge impetus. So. The, the Dragons, who didn't perform well in round one at St Helens, uh, looked a bit shaky at home to Wakefield, showed what they were capable of at Leeds. And now, you know, if Leeds have any pretensions whatsoever, they need to go to Wakefield on Thursday and turn them over. Three weeks into the season, it is nonsense to be calling for the heads of coaches and players and clubs and whatever. But well, it's they, what, they what happens they, these days. They can't win a grand final now, can they? Because no team has ever no. lost... Uh, the first three games and gone on and won a grand final. But then if history always followed that pattern, uh, the same team would win it every year. Oh, oh, they have. <laughs> uh, no. 
<laughs> they are now. Um, leads for Candlelands 10 uh, and, a, and a nice tonic for Bernard Gouache. I don't know if he was watching from his hospital, if he's at home or not, but uh, a win for the owner of the Dragons. Um, on Friday, the other team in crisis, who were also from West Yorkshire, and uh, don't wear amber and black anymore. They wear some kind of yellowy colour. It's Castleford Tigers, uh, orangey colour even. Uh, they lost at Hull KR 26-10, uh, a game in which Castleford's ill-discipline let them down, having everyone sent off. Um, I didn't see the Framer incident, so I've not seen that one. But I did see the um, um, Liam Watts leaving his arm out, which you can't leave your arm out and hit someone in the head. It's just the, everyone knows the rules about touching people in the head. It's a yellow card, probably. So I don't know if any of his family are listening, but, you know, right to the League Express. You'll get more. You're more true. I mean, there's later in the page this week, slagging off James Charles. Like, what's, what, what's the point? What's the point of doing that? But anyway, um, Castleford lost. Hull Kiara back because they had a tough start to the season. Matt Parcel, he looked great still. Uh, 26-10. I tell you what, the thing that struck me about Hull Kiara was they did try lots of plays that never came off, including one from a scrum where they threw the ball to Sam Wood, who's quite tall, but not tall enough to pick up a ball, which I think uh, one of the Harlem Globetrotters would have had trouble picking up. But good result for KR, uh, kept their heads. Castleford, unfortunately for them, did not. But, you know, Radford out and all that because we're three games in. I, um, I have no empirical evidence to support this, but I suspect that teams that play in grey are not successful. And I like their shirt as well. Which I shouldn't say. Oh, that. it's a nice shirt, it's but nice shirt, I, I seem to remember that everyone who has grey as a predominant colour are not successful. I don't well, know why. So Alex Ferguson, he was he hated that shirt, didn't he? When they played mm. at Southampton, they, they had to change at half time because they're above the rules, Fergie. But Cass didn't change their colours. Uh, so that's what but we're I, going I, with. I think the uh, the person that you mentioned um, for me was the story of the night because Sam Wood had been shown in the, the first week uh, against Wigan. Um, on his debut and, and probably couldn't have had a worse one. Uh, <laughs> everything he tried went wrong. Um, whole KR, because Tony Smith has the, the belief in, in making players better, you know, could have dropped him, could have made him a scapegoat for, for that defeat, but stood by him, said, no, he's, the kid's got talent. You know, he, he, he needs to learn from that experience. And then lo and behold, two weeks later, the next time he's on the television, he's scoring two tries and very much looking the part. And, I thought that that was just a great story within the story. Um, I, I, I don't know what's missing at Cass at the moment because clearly they haven't got Danny Richardson and, and I don't know when he's due back. Um, there was some talk uh, a week or so ago that his, his neck injury was was such that he may even miss the bulk of the season and, and obviously we hope that isn't the case. Um, but they did look rudderless. Um, I, I, I just think at the moment they're, they're victims of a change of style. We, we, we said that, you know, the way Lee Radford likes to play is not necessarily the way Daryl Powell would set up his team to play. And when you've had eight years of playing in a certain way and, um, and doing a certain job, uh, if you're going to change that, it is going to make a, a difference. It's going to take a time to adjust. You know, Paul McShane, I think, was, you know, head and shoulders um, ab above most of the, of the people who played against last year he hasn't had that kind of dominance yet this year um, I'm sure he will uh, and I'm sure that when he does that um, Cass will will become more of a threat but at, at the moment I, I don't know where points are coming from um, clearly they brought Jake Mamo to be 
that joker in the pack a little bit. He didn't play this week. So, again, um, there weren't too many options for them. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that the only thing for, for Lee is that he, he's, he's got the fixture that he probably wouldn't want this week. He's playing his old club at home. Um, they've gone from having, you know, 10,500 in the first game um, to obviously people now muttering about what it is that they're watching. And he needs that win. You know, he, he, he needs to, to reinvigorate those 10,500 that turned up in week one or you know, due respect to the Salford fans that were amongst that 10,500, but must have been at least 7,000, 7,500 home fans there. Um, and if they lose again to his old club, then questions inevitably will be asked. So uh, big, big weekend coming up for Lee. I'm surprised that's not on the telly. That would strike me as one of those games they would have picked early season as here's the narrative. Mm. And, and even more so now, but it's not on the telly. Um, so you'll have to watch Warrington and Catalans instead. And if you want to watch the Lee Radford derby, you'll have to get down to the Mendehose Jungle, where they still kick off at 3.30 on a Sunday, because that's when the pits close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when we, were, when we were talking before, Hull were the team who were rubbish, and now they've won two games because they beat Salford, which was not a surprise that they won, although I tipped Salford to win, but the, the manner of the result, 48 points to 16. I know we're jumping around the days here, but it seems we're talking about Hull, it makes sense. Uh, as you, we said in the first part of the programme, Jake Connery's everywhere. Jake the Snake, um, who may, you know, everyone who coaches a team at the World Cup may be looking to see if they can uh, shoehorn him in uh, to their squad. Maybe not in Australia or New Zealand, though. But uh, he had a hand in everything as a Hull put Salford, who started the season so well, completely on the back foot. You'd think that O'Connor might have an Irish background. <laughs> Um, I, I, He's not Terry yeah, Sonny, is he? We're not, we're not so are we? They'll be distant relatives. The, um, I think we said last week when we were doing our meaningless predictions or talking about the games that were coming up that um, it was a bit of a test for Salford. That you know they, they'd had a sort of a, a, a honeymoon start to the season. They'd got that that win at Cass where they they scored the same number of tries and it was Mark Sneed's boot that had got them home and. And then they've gone to Toulouse, who, again, are still in this phase of mm. learning what it takes to be a Super League team. And whilst that's not an easy start, and we weren't saying that they, you know, they, they'd had a, 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 you know, a, an easier introductory route into the season, this was a test. Um, and to, to be taken seriously, they, they needed to be consistent. And they had an off day. Um, you know, apparently, listening to the commentary, um, Mark Sneed uh, had had as insignificant a performance as Jake Connor had a significant one, and and that will happen. And obviously, Mark Sneed's back on a ground where clearly he's had some fantastic success, and then he's in in many ways revered still by the whole fans for for the cups that he bought them, and and you know it couldn't live up to that. I think this week again is a, is an interesting one for Salford because they're playing a Huddersfield team that are. Are coming off their first defeat, and if there's this sort of fey rivalry now, that you know it's the Ian Watson derby, um, it'd be very, very interesting to see how both of those teams go, having suffered their first defeat. It won't define their season, the result this week, but we will know a little bit more about what those two teams are made of. 
Uh, that was Saturday afternoon. Uh, back on Friday night, St. Helens beat Wakefield 20 points to four. According to the Saints fans on the social media, the only ones that listened to the ones who said Wakefield played well. And they said Wakefield played well and gave them a game. Uh, so I'm more than happy with that. Tom Johnston scored. Saints won. Didn't have to get out of second gear, I'm assuming. But that's, well, these, these games you just win, aren't you? You just get, a, get them out of the way, get them done, get the two points on the board. I'm told from within the Wakefield camp, there was a lot of pride in... Uh, particularly the manner in which their defence held, Good. but also the fact that they threw some stuff at St Helens and, and played. They, they, they did, um, as, as you would hope a, a Willie Poaching coach side would do, some uh, off-the-cuff stuff, but they just couldn't finish. So they did create chances, particularly in the first half, but that ruthless streak, you know, when you've kicked early in the tackle count or thrown the ball wide, uh, you know, when it's unexpected in your own half, they were creating chances, but they just didn't quite have that capability of finishing them off. But they did worry St Helens. And uh, I think in all of the performances this season, uh, they're a different Wakefield. Uh, there is a, you know, we use the word, spirit about them but but there is they are playing for each other they, they played really well in Catalan the week before without six players they've got a few missing still I think for for this week particularly in the backs um, but I think what we do know you're going to get from Wakefield and why maybe TV have picked this game on Thursday night is that they won't need motivating to play Leeds at home it's it's always a big game um, and they've got some players now in their team that will relish that challenge um, and and yeah, it's it. Bellevue will be. Oh, it's not Bellevue anymore. It's, it's Be Well. Be, be will Well be, Stadium. Yeah. Will be rocking. It's not the same as the rocky. It doesn't work, does it? No. Um, that and of course Sky have to get every team on so uh, so many times. So you get Wakefield out of the way early in the season because we won't be around at the end to do anything. So well, you might as well get the, there may not be a gantry after uh, the next few weeks because uh, the bulldozers <laughs> are moving in. <laughs> Uh, that's the Thursday game on the telly. I'm working, so I'll be rushing from my desk here to the room there to watch the game at eight o'clock. And with it being on Sky, I finish work at eight, so it won't have kicked off till about five past, so I'll be sorted. That'd be great. Uh, bad news for the mainstream media people again. Um, Lino's back for Wafer, which is good. I think they've got, from memory of looking at the squad list earlier, three, four, five, and nine of the first 13 missing maybe more i don't know but um, we'll see what happens it's all right willie poaching derby richard agar derby should be some more cory hall derby um some other people yeah tom johnson will score nailed on um and we'll see what happens and if wakefield lose they lose if they win they win and if they win it's down to chris kendall and if they lose it's down to uh leeds cheating um that's what we know gary hennington's had a word with red hall I don't know why he's, he's running them, I don't know. There's no one there anymore. So I saw it out, but uh, it'll have been fielding calls all day today because we know last time they were fielding calls, weren't they? When Luke, uh, not Luke Gale, what's his name? Young James Bentley got banned on the all everyone on the phone to Eddie and me saying, Sort it out. So they've been busy. Do you think you get, you some to, get, get, someone, get someone to answer the phone for you, Gary? Come on. Um, <laughs> speaking of Gary, so he'll be back on Monday. I think he's, he's coming back, is he on Monday, Scoey? Is it Monday? I, I know there were a couple of Mondays he couldn't do. Because it was Desdemona's um, funeral this week, he couldn't go. And I think the he's, other week he's, he's got... <laughs> he's got more hospitality oh, coming up. I I he might be back on Monday, but he, he will be back. Um, I've seen I've seen the listening figures, and, and we know you like him, so we'll, we'll get him back on. Um, 
Remind me, to, I need to say something oh, when we get to Wigan, actually. Toulouse uh, lost to Warrington 32-18. No one's seen it apart from the 4,887 uh, people who were there. Oh, I'm the people who have got Wolves TV. Oh, was it on Wolves TV? I've, seen it. I've not got Wolves TV. Um, but again, Daryl Powell was paying tribute to Toulouse, saying that uh, you know they put up a, a, an encouraging fight and... Uh, Ollie Ashelbot scored on his debut. There's a couple of Good other sign. players apparently lined up for uh, for Toulouse. So, yeah, let, let's hope they find their feet. They they've got Wigan this week, which, uh, as we know from from having charted Wigan's rise uh, to to being undefeated at the top of the league and playing some sparkling rugby, uh, will not be easy. In fact, we're going to holidaying in France, aren't they? Because the following week they're away in Catalan. That's nice, um, isn't it? So they're spending the entire week in France. So you're going to use it as a as a bonding exercise. So might, uh, might be the Catalans the week after then. That that's I mean I hope all the players behave while they're away. Lads on tour and all that. Speaking of Wigan, before we speak about the game, um, I, there are, I I was surprised that there wasn't more media coverage, sports media coverage of the death of Vega Twigamala because he's a player I, I distinctly remember. Obviously, coming over from playing for the All Blacks to play for the Almighty Wigan, probably one of the last we'll see of that that kind of transfer. Explosive, full of personality. I know the clips have been dragged out from the Middlesex Sevens, which are hilarious when he's pushing the Leicester player over. And I know that's he's well, not, he's a not fair pushing comparison. him over; he's taking him with. He's like, You're what are you like a fly? What yeah. I'm trying to do to you here, Phil. Like, wonderfully talented player. Everyone who's spoken about him has said, as much as a talent he was on the field, a greater man off the field. But one of those characters who anyone who saw play either live or, or on TV is never going to forget. I think he um, he changed what a centre winger could look like in modern professional sport because his physique was ridiculous for playing out on the wing. Uh, you know, John Aloma would probably would be would be the first person that had done that. But but when Tuigamala came over, you looked at him and thought he's just too big to be playing out wide, and yet he was great, as graceful as he was powerful. Um, a wonderful exponent, and so many of the times he came up the middle of the field as well when Wigan just needed that that finishing uh, touch to a to a glorious move. As you say, it. A bit like you know Ali Lawatiti, a very gentle man, uh, a man who had a huge amount of influence in that Wigan dressing room, and clearly one of the interviews that's been played a lot is the influence he had on Jason Robinson. You know, turned him round as a as as a as a personality, gave him more purpose in his life. Um, a very devout man. Um, amazing to think that uh, he could absolutely injure anybody he wanted on the field, but but off it, it was the complete opposite of that. You know, he was a Hugely compassionate man, did a lot of work uh, in charities in the in that, that Wigan community. Played just over a hundred times in the Cherry and White. Scored, I think, sixty-two tries, and in the short time he was there, won nine trophies. And uh, a lot of that was down to him. There, there have been some really heartfelt tributes, particularly of those who played with him. I think Chris Chris Radlinski was was leading that as well. But um, I'm I'm sure we'll hit, we'll hear more as uh, as his funeral comes around as as indeed uh, there was a second outpouring of love for for Des Drummond on Monday uh, when when he was sadly laid to rest and again beautifully done by the league club as as Johnny Whiteley was with um, uh, with, with Hull so uh, yeah 
yeah, a, a wonderful player. A player who, whether you supported Wigan or not, and whether they were overly dominant or not in that period, you wanted to see him play. You wanted to see him destroy somebody. And, uh, you know, as you say, that that abiding memory of going the length of the field at the Middlesex Sevens with a Leicester player hanging on to his forearm. And I'm not even sure he was trying to shake him off. He just went, if you want to stay there, you can, but you're coming with. Um, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. One of the best things about that Middlesex Sevens, apart from Wigan winning it, obviously, is how Sean Edwards gets annoyed with the team taking the mickey out of the other teams. He must have known what was coming up for him. Um, Inga the winger, of course, but as you say, played in the centres at Wigan because there's <laughs> Jason Robinson and Martin Afire, who were quite good as well on the wing. So they could play a bit. Just stop piling talent, Wigan. It's like, oh, I don't know, but uh, a play will never be forgotten, certainly. As you say, only played 100 games, but just had such an impact. Uh, Wigan beating Huddersfield after they uh, paid tribute to him on Thursday, 22-12. Again, we didn't see this one because the TV cameras were elsewhere, but seems a a professional performance from Wigan. Liam fouling the tries again. He just seems to, I won't say get better with age, but just remains consistent in his position. Probably one of those players who is underrated, but not by the right people because he's again in the England squad. Yeah, a different um, a different way of winning, and, and I think that's what Matty Pete was saying afterwards. That um, you know they they they'd shown some flamboyance in the first two weeks, but this was about having the solidity to to hold out. A, a, obviously, a clearly improving Huddersfield team under under Ian Watson, and and you know I think Watson will have learnt a lot about about his guys. They, they kept the score um, close. That I think they only conceded one try in the second half. Um, so, yeah, he can build on that as well. So yeah, uh, it is. A, I think we can say after three weeks, which which is never normally long <laughs> enough to to pass judgment. This is a different Wigan, um, yeah. and um, and and it's enjoyable to watch them. Which again, we haven't said enough over the last couple of years. Great to see Bevan French is back. Uh, clearly, he's obviously going to need to undergo some uh, conditioning because he missed all of pre-season. Um, they don't need to rush but, him back, though, do they? That's the, that's the positive for them. Yeah, they can bring him in the, when they need him. When they do, they're not going to get worse, are they? <laughs> um, the table is as it is. Away for the above leads in Castleford, which is always pleasing to see. Albeit we've, we've conceded eight less points than them. Um, so on Thursday, it's Wakefield versus Leeds. Always, always tasty. And probably not for people outside of Wakefield. Leeds probably don't care either. Um, Friday, Hull versus Saints. Uh, okay, that is. Warrington versus Catalans is the TV game. Saturday, Toulouse versus Wigan. Uh, Sunday, Huddersfield, Salford, and Castleford versus Hull in the Championship. Bradford, Batley, John Keir Derby. Well, Batley did them in the playoffs last year, didn't they? So that'll be a bit tasty. Fev versus Halifax, always tasty. Uh, Lee versus Newcastle. London, New, uh, London versus York. New York? Uh, York. <laughs> Not yet. Not, no. Um, Whitehaven versus Dewsbury and Workington versus Sheffield Eagles. And on Monday in the Championship, the cameras are at witness as they take on the Barrow Raiders. So that's two uh, sides at the top end of the table. Two unbeaten sides indeed in the Championship. Obviously not in the Cup for witness, but two unbeaten sides in the Championship meeting on the telly. So that'll be good. I think um, Featherstone Halifax uh, is a repeat of the game that we saw uh, this week in the Cup. Um, Looked like Featherstone were going to run away with it. Halifax hit back strongly and Featherstone uh, extended their, their margin late on. So um, let's hope everybody behaves. We, we have had some 
yeah. crowd issues again this week. Not necessarily there, but um, certainly Hulkar and Castleford have both issued statements today and some incidents that happened in the stand. I think uh, likewise, Liam Widnes, um, again, there was a need to make statements after. I just hope there isn't something that's creeping into our game here. Um, society may well be fractured. We, there may be more division about than there ever has been. Um, I just hope it isn't spilling into the crowds at Rugby League. No, people will use any excuse, won't they, to uh, be a bit naughty. Well, don't. You know, and hopefully people who are get banned for life and never come back. And it's tough. It's like, you know, it's like if you get a drugs ban, you know the rules. If you don't behave, you're out. Tough. Um, I think... Is that all the news? I've not read through the front of the paper, but I don't think I'll have missed, missed anything. Six points uh, for a try, seven, eight, nine points for a try. Still a fan of having a joker. I'll Richard Agar under, under pressure purely because Leeds United sacked their manager. Leeds United, yeah. I mean, it's not like the days when we had two Brian McDermott's in, in Leeds. That was that was exciting. But uh, you want to be that fella following Bielsa, would you? I mean, I'm a bit of a Bielsa cultist member because I was a, a fan of his work at Chile and Athletic Club of Bilbao, who, of course, are a rebel club in Spain. Well, in the Basque country, let alone Spain. So there's a bit of the rebel about Bielsa. And obviously he worked at Leeds for a while. And, you know, who would be rugby league's Marcelo Bielsa? Who's the coach who's a bit of a rebel? Who's... Tony Smith. Tony Smith. Tony Smith is Marcelo Bielsa. Doesn't like authority particularly. Likes um, to play a certain way. Entertainment first. Um, and 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 happy to uh, to eloquently take on anyone who uh, doesn't share his his vision and philosophy of the game. Always uh, questions every opinion, which uh, makes you justify any comment you may have. So I I think he's the nearest we've got. Although as far as I know, Tony doesn't speak Spanish. No, but I I'm convinced Bielsa can speak English. You could come to he can't. Yeah, couldn't be bothered speaking to the football journalist because would you? I mean, you've seen. Well, I, th I think it, that that's part of the, um, you know, the, the reason why I think he was adored so much. When you sit, when I mean, I, I don't know why we're speaking about him on a podcast. I think because his influence is more than just the sport that he was in. But when you saw him talking to his players, um, and and shots even came in from training, he didn't have his interpreter. He cl he clearly knows enough English to absolutely get his point across. And yet, as a perfect defence mechanism to being asked all those dumb questions that you get asked post-match of which rugby league is as guilty as anybody well what did you think um it's very easy to get away with it when uh, when when somebody else is answering on your behalf uh, well, he'd, he'd like rugby. i think he'd like rugby league he's got that he's a he'd, like he'd, like what we, he'd like what we stand for he'd like our values and he used to play for newell's old boys who have the best badge in world sport which if you've never seen it Go Google it now. Well, didn't they name their stadium after? They have, yeah. The, the, the Stadio Marcelo Bielsa is probably called um, Estadio. Estadio. I can't remember what the Spanish is, but uh, uh, there you go. So that'll please all the Leeds fans. We've spoken about Marcelo Bielsa. He is not going to be, and maybe he will be at Bellevue on Thursday. Maybe he will have the, 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 maybe he's not gone home yet. I don't know. Is he still in Weatherby? Going to the Bewell Stadium to watch Wakefield versus Leeds. He'll be welcome with open arms. It reminds me of when. Um, when Andy Kelly was sacked unfairly by Leeds in 2000, he was in the stands the week after with, with the hoi polloi, the proletariats at Bellevue when we didn't have a roof. And they showed him on the telly and we all cheered. And uh, 
He's done all right for himself. I'm sure Beelzebub as well. Uh, for podcast listeners, because I forgot last week, coming up, interview with Cornwall's Harry Aronson. They've signed more players. Um, and they're going to be they on have. our league. Which Interestingly, last week, uh, one, of the, remember. one of the players they've just signed, Liam Whitten, who um, I had the... Uh, I had the chance to watch when he was playing in the Leeds Academy. Always looked like a really, really good player. I think of all the signings they made, clearly Anthony Mullally is their uh, their marquee man. Um, but Liam Whitten is a real talent, and it's great to see him back in the game. That's one for podcast fans. Something that uh, Ash Bateman will have to uh, try and uh, counter us. He's the new coach of the West Wales Raiders. Um, we will speak more about League One as we get closer to it. The uh, women's season is upcoming. The wheelchair season is coming up sooner than I thought. This weekend. This there weekend it starts. <laughs> wheelchair soon. Super League. They're interesting on that. Um, I can't remember if we discussed it last week. Um, but a London Super team been included in Super League? They've just yeah. followed us on Twitter, so I followed them back. I like them. I like them. No, but I like the concept of saying, you know, we think to compete at the top level, we need to pull the best of what we've got. Um, so the Argonauts, who uh, who clearly were, you know, were, were a team that that uh, got to the cup, cup final last year, um, I, I don't think they felt they had enough depth in their squad to challenge on a ring. So they've joined with the best of Medway and a, a couple of other teams. Uh, wheelchair, perhaps setting a template for the rest of rugby league there. You know, you know what I've said about the women's game. You know what I've said some clubs in the women's Super League should do to maximise their chances. But Well, I just think no that the wheel, to, to listen to me anyway. wheelchair have recognised through um, the perspicacity of Martin Coyd, who we've had on this programme and, and clearly has a vision for what he wants wheelchair rugby league to be, that London has to have a presence and that if you're going to be playing at the Copper Box in the World Cup, then you need to have a team in the capital that people can then go and support who are competitive. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think that kind of strategic planning for the game um, is something that hopefully will filter through the various other parts of it. Um, hats off to, to Wheelchair Super League for, for bringing in a, a London team that will be competitive. I think their opening game this weekend is against Wigan, who, again, we know are probably based around what were Leyland last year, who got to the, the grand final. But, you know, you're seeing teams like London playing Wigan in a Super League. It has a certain cachet about it. Um, you can see why broadcasters would want perhaps to show Wheelchair Rugby League games. You can see why our league would want to to put them on, uh, it's a it's a saleable commodity. Um, if you get it right, I think you've got appeal way beyond where we think the sport might sit at the moment. And Ch Channel Four again has shown us that we we do have that audience if we can if we can appeal to it. And I think if you if you believe that wheelchair rugby league is everything we keep saying that it is, then to have teams that carry recognisable colours and names can only be good. Which is why it's odd that there's a team in the Women's Super League who has the first bit of a recognisable name in rugby league, but not the second bit. I understand why, but it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the future. We'll certainly have some wheelchair guests on coming on soon because uh, we are in talks, maybe in the studio. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know yet. I've been swapping emails, but it, it's it's very it's a very delayed rally of emails. Very delayed rally of emails, but we'll get there eventually. Um, because we're all excited. Rugby League is here. Um, Phil, thank you. You've got to work on the magazine because the new issue is coming out sooner than you think. We go to, well, we, damn February with its shorter <laughs> days. Yeah, we go to print again at the weekend. So uh, trying to get stuff in that people will find interesting. 
Uh, can't tell you too much, obviously, because it's secret, but uh, a long interview about what the strategic uh, working group is and the, and what they're doing and, and what they're starting to achieve behind the scenes. Look forward to that. If, um, if, the, tape, if the tape recording. If the tape recording. Fingers crossed, scoring on Monday when we'll be back live. Uh, find out by <laughs> keeping an eye on our social media channels. Uh, like, share, subscribe, and do all those things. Harry, Cornwall, how did it come about? Uh, just through my agent. Uh, my agent put me in touch with Neil Kelly, um, who's who's a coach down at Cornwall. And, yeah, just sort of, sort of went from there, really. And here we are. Finally, um, finally over the line. You were playing up until the start of the pandemic in 2020, took time away from the sport. How desperate were you to get back involved in the professional game? Uh, to be honest, I didn't think it would happen. I think just starting uh, my new job in September of that year sort of ruled anything out, uh, just because of commitments and, um, you know, lack of training sort of thing. But this opportunity presented itself and it works really well with my uh, current job and, uh, the fact I only work four days a week now is, is ideal, especially for the home games. So, yeah, I, I was ready to sort of leave and sort of, yeah, leave it there. But, yeah, really grateful to, to be back in the sport. Uh, and Cornwall's a, a bit of a, a bit of a trek for most people. Yeah. How's, it, how's it going to be yeah. a week? As you say, you work four days a week. How's it going to be on a, a week-to-week basis for you? Yeah, so I'll be um, I'll be going down towards the end of the week after work, um, staying that for the, for the games. Um and then staying down there uh, until, you know, de- depending on what, when are the games, Saturday or Sunday, basically. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, interesting, but it's something new. And I think it'll be a challenge, but it's one one that I'm looking forward to. As you say, something new, something brand new, a brand new team, brand new club. No one knows anything yeah. about what's going to happen. I guess that, that's the, the excitement. Is you, you, Cornwall could be absolutely anything this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you look at the players that we've got, there's a lot of local talent, which is obviously the main reason behind this. Uh, but adding in, you know, Anthony Mullally and a couple of others who've got that experience as well, I think we could be could be quite strong. And um, the, one of the first things I said to uh, Neil and uh, to the GM, Gareth, was that I, I think we should be challenging towards the playoffs rather than looking down. I think with our, with our squad and if we can add a couple more people to that, because I know we're constantly still uh, looking for signings and making signings, then we could we should be looking up rather than down. And if we can, you know, I think for an away team to come down to Cornwall, it's a it's a difficult opportunity for them. You know, I think we've got advantage there. You know, if they're on a long bus trip or you know, however they they're gonna get down, I think that will have advantage at home. So I can see us, you know, winning a few games that people don't expect us to. Does it feel odd the fact that you're you're 23 and you're going to be one of the more experienced players in the club? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think if you look in terms of, you know, the league itself, um, I'm probably the most experienced within League One. I know, obviously, uh, Anthony's played Super League and Championship for for many years and has played way more games than me. But in terms of League One, uh, I don't think there's anyone who's played as many games. And I'm hoping to bring that to the team. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to guide Neil as well hopefully um, into how to play against certain teams and how to tackle certain games and hopefully like I said we can we can uh, give a good account of ourselves It is a strange competition league one as you say the fact that you've played in it is a great advantage because you've got the top teams from up in the north you've also got West Wales you've got Coventry just moving yeah. to become Midlands now it's a very diverse competition 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think on the day, it's, you know, it's anyone can beat anyone. It's very competitive. I think, oh, you've got to look at results of the last couple of years. You know, Midlands have won games that they probably didn't expect to against Northern teams. So have London Scholars. So this year it's going to be a really diverse competition. Uh, and I think, you know, there'll be a few surprises this year and hopefully we can su- surprise a few people as well. Still a few weeks until the first game, 2nd of April, when you uh, travel to yeah. the North Wales Crusaders, and they had a great season last year as well. So yeah. still time to build up that squad. And, and I guess it, it's going to be a, a great venture into the unknown for that first game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be very unknown, I think. Uh, like I said, I'm just hoping that when we uh, we turn up on that day, people are pleasantly surprised by what we're doing and what we're trying to do. I think the, the most interesting thing will be to see what happens in that first game in Cornwall the week after. Um, that'll be a real test and yeah hopefully we can get a fair few fans down to, to watch that How are you preparing for the season obviously it's a long way away East Cornwall second as we mentioned yeah. it's a month or so until the first game but are you meeting each other on Zoom are you having Skype sessions like that as well Yes yeah, so we, we've got a WhatsApp group already and a, an SNC group so both an official one and a players one players ones obviously you know flying with, with you know team camaraderie and banter already um, the SNC one, obviously, a bit more official, and just getting the the sessions done over there. Um, but yeah, I'll be I'll be training up here throughout, and make sure I keep fit and make sure I'm ready. Uh, currently, been playing at, at a rugby union team, so uh, I've been playing throughout the, the winter the winter months as well. So um, I should be going into the season pretty much fit, uh, which will which will make a change. What's it going to be like with, with the local players who won't have that experience of playing professional rugby league? What are you going to be able to bring to them in the, in the build-up to the season? Yeah, I think I think sometimes with, with when you get players like that, it's more about them learning just how to how to play and how to do things in certain situations. So in, in some tight games, it's just about sticking to the process and not going away from what uh, you know, you've been told to do and going away from a plan, trying to win a game in the last few minutes. Um, it's about the, the full 80. And I think that there'll be a few of those games this year where, you know, at half time, we, we may be four points up or four points down and they'll need someone experienced to go, look, let's just get, get through this and we'll, we'll get a try at some point. Let's just stay, keep doing what we're doing and keep our heads on rather than, I think, with some more raw and local players, sometimes they, they're always going to try and score every set and it's all about tries and, um, yeah, f- f- from knowledge of, of this league, it's it's not about that. It's all about defence, really. You mentioned being playing union. How, how does that work in terms of, as a league player, is it difficult sometimes to get out of the league mindset when you're playing union? And I guess that's something that some of the players down there might have to discover yeah. a different way of playing. Yeah, yeah. So I think going into union was difficult because obviously I've played league for, you know, 15 plus years. I think going back won't be too difficult because it's what I've grown up playing. Uh, I played some amateur last year, just uh, on the side whenever I could. Um, so I'm, you know, I've been fairly up to date with, with things. I think in terms of the local players that we've signed, I actually think most of them have got that rugby league experience. I don't think there's anyone who's purely come from rugby union and we're teaching them how to play the game. They've all played at, at some sort of level, whether it's at university, which is a, a great competition having gone through it myself. You know, there's a lot of great teams there and a lot of great talent that have come from the university game and end up making uh, professional tracks. So I think a lot of them will have had some you know, decent rugby league experience already, whether it's, you know, playing for, for university, whether it's for, for playing at uh, regional teams, etc. We hear a lot about 
you know, in, in the north, there'll be the Yorkshire bus going across the Pennines to Lancashire and the Lancashire bus going across yeah. the, the Pennines back to Yorkshire. I guess yeah. there's going to be a, a, a group of you travelling down there for the uh, games week in, week out from up there. Well, at the, at the moment, it's just me. So oh, maybe, sure. ho hopefully, we can hopefully we can add to that. It'd be nice to be able to speak to someone on the way rather than just twiddle my thumbs and just focus on the, the journey the whole way. But yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that we can get a couple couple more lads down. I've been speaking to a couple of people who I know uh, aren't signed at the moment, and I'm hoping that they jump on it. Like like I said, it's just it's a big commitment, and I'm very grateful for my employers that they that they're taking part in this for. Day working week uh it's it's allowed this to happen without that there would be no way that this would be achievable um so yeah like i said if, if other people are flexible um and able to do it then i'll um i've sent a few messages out and we'll see we'll see if i can get any of them down with me and, and i guess from what you've been saying it feels like a, a second chance that you didn't feel that might not have come a, a few months ago yeah yeah it's definitely something i didn't expect to come through obviously when i think the team you know, the Cornwall team was announced around November time, December time, maybe. Um, and, I, you know, I just didn't think anything of it. I didn't, I didn't really know what the situation was anyway. I didn't know because there's been certain teams in League One in the past, like Hemel, where they would train in the north and then all of them would travel down on a, on a weekend. Uh, and I was told that that wasn't the case. So wh when I heard that, I just thought that that was the end of it because, you know, I, you know it's, it's such a long way. Um, but... Yeah, once my, once my agent called me and, and told me it could be done um, and we just had to figure out certain details, then I, I was, you know, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, and, yeah, here we are now. And you've got a coach there who's got plenty of experience outside of Super League in Neil yeah. and in Super League with winners, of course. But yeah, going back to Dewsby, and he was back at Dewsby a couple of years ago as well, a vastly experienced coach in both league and union as well. It must be great to have that yeah. leadership uh, on the bench for you. Yeah, exactly. I think in terms of the league, he's probably one of the most experienced coaches in there. Um, you know, been in Super League Championship for a long period of time. Definitely knows his rugby. Um, he, he'll want us to play a certain way. Uh, and it, it's probably our players' job to, to stick to that and try and do that as, as best as we can. Um, so that, that's that's why I said before about as long as we stick to our plans and our processes, then we, we, should, we should go a long way because there's not too much that he probably hasn't seen he's probably seen a lot within the game and been in almost every situation uh in a game so um yeah yeah it'll be great to have his experience and great for me to learn off him as well um like you said he's been he's been around for a number of years so he'll be i'm always looking to to learn new things and learn different things on di off different coaches well you've been at Huddersfield while his uh brother andy was there then when you were in the yeah the yeah andy was um Andy was the head of youth or director of youth or, or something like that when I, when I was going um, into the under-16s. Did, did he have any great uh, bearing on your career then as, or, or any advice Andy, for you going to this? Yeah. yeah. Well, Andy, I, um, I joined as Andy. I was leaving as Andy joined. I think he joined halfway through the season and we only had a couple of games left. But I have spoke to him. I, I spoke to him when I was there and I spoke to him since I've left. Uh, we've had a good... A couple of good conversations. Uh, I think you know he messaged me saying you know good luck after this was announced as well. So yeah, really good bloke. Good stuff. And finally, um, whole new experience in Cornwall. Not just for you, but yeah. for the people down there. They've never had a, a professional rugby league side before. What can they expect from yourself and from the uh, the Cornwall side in 2022? Yeah, I think the main thing is something exciting. Uh, and some, a competitive team. I think those are the main two things that we, we're hoping to do. A team that's going to challenge and, you know, beat in every game, whether it's, you know, like I said, 
if we're behind by four or in front by four, we want to be competitive every single game. Uh, but also play an exciting brand of rugby. Um, I think especially down there in summer, you know, the temperature can go up to 30-odd degrees. Um, so it's very well suited for an expansive uh, style of play. Uh, and I'm sure that's what Neil wants us to do, you know, chuck the ball about a bit, um, play play some good rugby, score some amazing tries and just entertain the crowd. And once we can start getting some regular fans down there, um, yeah, that, that, that's basically the aim of, of having the team down there is just to get regular fans spread the game in the South and hopefully in a couple of years they'll um, they'll start looking you know for promotion and hopefully further. And having mentioned that weather, you must be pleased that you haven't been playing uh, rugby league in the last couple of weeks in the mud. Well, I've been playing rugby union last couple of weeks in the mud, so I've not I've not got out of it. Honestly, that's the the main thing that I'm looking forward to is that the league starts in April, uh, and hopefully the grounds dry up and you know the ball's actually white instead of muddy. <laughs> Fingers crossed, Harry. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the time with Cornwall, and uh, best luck for the season. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.